The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kubule Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani and Paul Brecht. Happy Aloha Monday. And not just Paul Brecht, we have a party this morning <laughs> on our Aloha Monday. We have Michael Lescaro, DJ Mike G. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. Not DJ Mike Q. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I was Mike worried. G, which letter was it? DJ Mike G <laughs> is in the studio. Um, <laughs> oh, you're getting better at that. <laughs> I, hey, see, I still need to work on my sound effects. With all the uh, the practice that we're getting, eventually I'm going to be half decent at it. It has to be. <laughs> well, wow. What a crazy good weekend of football. I'm glad I am here today <laughs> i'm glad i woke up from my my uh slumber midday yesterday following all of the nfl games and all the excitement that was uh, very happy for the detroit lions fans out there yes i know everyone's like aren't you a bears fan but if you guys have heard me before when it comes to you know nfl teams i'm happy when my friends are happy and then at the beginning of the day, it's not like the Bears ever did anything actually for me. So why would I hate on all the teams? Unless it's the Packers, of course. That's about the only one. That, Absolutely. <laughs> that's the only acceptable one that uh, I think is universal, especially in the division with the Bears, Vikings, and uh, Lions. Who, my gosh, can you believe the Detroit Lions? Who would have thought that we would be sitting here? And they would be <laughs> the NFC Championship game. We're just trying to convince a friend of ours who is a diehard 49ers fan to watch the game with us. Because kind of like our group, <laughs> we call us our the Reindeer Gang now. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a cool name. Yeah, it's, it's we'll a get thing. Into that. I'll, I'll explain it to you guys someday. But anyways, so- our, our Reindeer Gang, uh, we have two friends in that group that are... One's a diehard 49ers fan. One is a diehard Detroit Lions fan. A 49ers fan, he is the type of fan that gets really, really, really crazy. Like, basically encourages his wife and daughter to leave anytime, like, the (laughs) Niners or the Golden State Warriors are in the playoffs, that kind of thing. Like, he is diehard. So, we're trying to convince him so that we all watch the... NFC Championship together. Well, we tried to start talking about it last week. Obviously, no one wanted to botchy, so they didn't get that far. But we're gonna work on it this week to see if we can make it happen. Because I gotta, you gotta love like, you know, watching it with friends and watching when you have no stress. Just like yesterday, we were I was watching it with uh, Spectrum Sports Kanoa Lehi and a couple of our friends, and I can't believe I was cheering so hard again for the Detroit Lions because. Got a, and we had a couple of other friends that had some plate lunches on the line. So, you know what? We're just all going entirely Detroit Lions. But, uh, yes, they come out on top 31-23 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what do we always say? Good teams win. Great teams cover. <laughs> Ayo. Just like Dan Campbell. I think I retweeted that as well. And he's like the winningest coach or in like since he's been coaching or something in, in against the spread. So, like told you guys he was a great coach so here we are uh and then looking at the other games the Ravens started off kind of like a seemed like a close games close game between the Texans but then the Ravens they ended up doing their thing beating the Texans 34 to 10 
Baltimore, another easy cover. They were the 10-point favorite, according to odds via BetMGM. Uh, And then you go to the Packers and 49ers game, which is one that we were trying to blow up our friend's phone just for the fun of it so that he would be and of course he never responded to anything until it was like halftime so (laughs) because that was a close one 49ers I mean they did lose Debo Samuel Brock Purdy looked like he had some difficulties with the wet ball so fortunately if they make it to the Super Bowl uh, it'll be nice and dry in Las Vegas and no weather to worry about uh, over there on the ninth island but uh, San Francisco was the 10-point favorite, and clearly, you know, if you're the Packers fan, well, I guess it's twofold. If you're Kyle Galdera, you probably <laughs> are a little bummed. Well, the Packers are <laughs> a great team. <laughs> mm, they, they didn't covered. win. They covered. They didn't win. I said good teams win. I Not a great team. <laughs> <laughs> they got to win and cover to be the great it's, it's of the both, great. It's both, right? It's both. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, both. Yeah. I follow there. I follow there. <laughs> nice try, though, Michael. Uh, and then the Chiefs-Bills game. You know, this is the game. I want to save this one. For, I mean, it was the last game of, of the uh, divisional round, but... NFL wanted to Chiefs, save it for last two. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Chiefs, and let the record show in our group, in our work text that I did change my pick. Record can show that. Because yes. I it just was killing me. Like on paper, I'm like, gosh, Bills, but I'm like, you know what? The Bills are gonna Bills. It's just I can't with full confidence put my like everything on my bragging rights in this studio on, on the, the bills, bills making it to the Super Bowl. I'm like, no thank you. They are either going to lose to the Chiefs, which I kind of thought was gonna happen, or they were going to lose to the Baltimore Ravens in the championship rounds. And now we don't have to see that. But 27-24, selfishly I was kind of bummed that my, you know, my thought didn't come true. And it was so close about the overtime and the Chiefs winning on the newly been. changed overtime rules. But we were that close. We just had to get oh, it through the all, upright. All just it had took to, was one All kick. it took. <laughs> just had to get it through the upright uh, Kansas City, and surprisingly, though, easy. See, this is the double whammy. This was the little sprinkle on the money line that we tell you about, where Kansas City, you know, was the underdog with getting two and a half points, but nonetheless. And then, yeah. how about Jason Kelsey stealing the show? But like our Paul Brecht reminded me yesterday, <laughs> gosh, he's ruining the game they of football. My entire they were showing him so much. No, no, no. <laughs> but on a real note, it was really, really cool to see Jason there. Kylie Kelsey was there. Obviously, Taylor Swift in that that um, that booth as well. And it, it was a, a who's who of like niche internet celebrities plus the woman who is taking over the world <laughs> yeah. uh so it was it's very a good way to put it it was very very funny to to see that and i'm glad to see jason having a good time out a week after uh, what is or what was a, a heartbreaker for him and all of the emotion that we we saw and whatnot i'm glad that he was able did, to go out and enjoy did you see that video though of him like jumping out of the box and back in i mean he's we're like the same age and i'm like dang you're really fit to like look at that agility well, jumping out of the box and jumping right he's like whoop i saw like, somebody that does not say, look like retirement age but hey somebody goes uh this guy is like 300 pounds and he's got a flat stomach and the definition of abs and i'm 160 with a pot belly here and it's like yeah yeah that's a professional athlete right there he even towards the end tail end of his career is i mean i don't want to say greek adonis but you know 
but close that's enough, thing, right? It's one. <laughs> it's one thing to to have your body look a certain way, but when I saw him like hop out easily, chug the beer, hop back in like so it was how nothing. Tiny that beer oh, look in his hands. <laughs> It was like a giant. It was definitely the best part, though, of of the day. I just cannot. But I missed a good portion of that game. I was having fun celebrating the Lions win with everybody else. All right. So now, Sunday, we have the AFC and NFC championship game set. In the AFC, you have the Chiefs and Ravens. That game kicks off at 10 a.m., followed by the Lions and 49ers. At 1.30 p.m. It's still weird looking at the schedule. And we see the Detroit Lions in this thing. They go from not winning a playoff game for 32 years to being in the NFC Championship game and two wins away from winning the bleeping Super Bowl. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> I can't. Again, as a Bears fan, I am genuinely happy for our Detroit Lions friends. But it just it is still hard to fathom that it's there. But as I keep mentioning, enjoy it while it lasts because next year is our year. So we'll let we'll let we'll let them have it this year. Although unfortunately, as I was chatting with Kanoa Leahy, we're all we're still bummed knowing that the four, the Packers looked that good with the young quarterback, and we're like, are you kidding me? Just when we thought, oh yeah, it'll be the rest of our time to shine, and then lo and behold, the Packers are going to do the Packers thing. I texted like. You know, we chatted with Kyle Galdera last week, and he was the one from the very beginning that was excited about Aaron Rodgers leaving. And now it's looking well for the Packers and Jordan Love. Like, hey, shout out Mountain West quarterbacks. But Shout out Mountain <laughs> West quarterbacks, indeed. Love, uh, he looked closer to Favre than Rodgers to me in that one. In fact, he had <laughs> an exact copy uh, of a Favre play to end the game, throwing across his body, across midfield, late, bad decision by Love to end the game there To after what was overall a really, really good game for him. And that's kind of what you expect to see from a, a young quarterback making his first few starts in the playoffs. Think about what C.J. Stroud did where he had a, a nice couple of games but isn't quite ready mm-hmm. to lead his team to a Super Bowl per se. Like, you know, you see a Patrick Mahomes who goes out and all the time is is putting up superhuman numbers. Even Josh Allen yesterday in a loss put up some crazy numbers. I think you know, over 200 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing, and four total touchdowns or three total touchdowns, whatever it was. All the touchdowns for the Bills. So, you know, both of those guys, good quarterbacks. We'll see about great quarterbacks on the way forward because it takes in the NFL it's a what have you done for me lately mm-hmm. which in turn also means it's a consistency league so one good year is not you know is not forever and one bad year also is not forever so I'd like to see both of them sustain that play through next year before I, I give my official uh uh, analysis on if I'm I'm gonna say they're gonna have good careers or not. <laughs> Although one good year does seem like forever if you're Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Just just when we thought this was the down year, I mean this is by far the worst Kansas City Chiefs team we have seen since Patrick Mahomes has been there, and yet here they are once again in the AFC Championship, which is why I had to switch my pick, having the Bills go, and I'm like I cannot, like with all confidence go against Patrick Mahomes while he's healthy. No matter how many times we've seen their receivers drop the ball, Travis Kelsey's there. They've officially passed Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski for the most, what is it, 
touchdowns, I believe. Yeah, probably. He had two like touchdowns. Yeah, touchdowns in the playoffs yesterday. only. Like, I mean, that's saying some stuff if we're going to pass Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. So, never count out this Chiefs team. And uh, that's, again, I with all confidence, I'm like, I cannot see the Bills no matter what. And don't get me wrong. The Bills were very much in this game, obviously. Came down to that last field goal. But never against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Question for you guys. I saw this comparison yesterday on X, formerly Twitter and whatnot, and I thought it was interesting because a lot of people have been comparing Mahomes-Allen to Brady-Manning from the last generation and whatnot, but then I saw someone say that it's closer to Brady-Big Ben than Brady-Manning because Brady owned Big Ben and Manning eventually started to get it going against Brady. What what where do you guys fall on that one? Obviously there are more meetings in the playoffs that need to come and whatnot, but now 0 and three all time against Patrick Mahomes are Josh Allen's Bills in the playoffs, even after getting them at home this time. Are you still on the Brady Manning bandwagon? Are you somewhere else now? Or is it too much respect to somebody who hasn't made a you know Super Bowl yet? That one. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows if they've been listening to this show how much I am not as even though we just said and yes, we it's awesome that we see Mountain West quarterbacks do their thing in the NFL because hopefully one day they'll take us seriously in college football in terms of the conference. But I've just never and and we talked about this before, Paul. I think it's me hating on Josh Allen probably stems from everyone else hating on Tua Tango Vailoa so much because I'm just like why are you guys hating on him so much? So then almost like it gets rechanneled to Josh Allen and I just wait for him to make mistakes because we talk about Tua being such an accurate quarterback. I'm like, well, and then look at Josh Allen, like just basically aiming for the other team half the time. So I would say it's too early. And yes, you have to at least make it to a Super Bowl first before you're even in that conversation. Um, but I don't know. Michael, you want to chime in? Yeah, I think Josh Allen needs to make the Super Bowl first um, or even... Well, he made a conference championship a couple I of years ago. I think so, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think there's going to be some changes in Buffalo. Either the coach is going to be gone or Stefan Diggs is going to be gone. Maybe Because, both. you know, Josh mm-hmm. Allen, I think his cap hit almost doubles, if not more, next year. So, it's going to be a lot harder, and there's going to be some changes that need to be made there. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing when we think about Tom Brady, right? It's like, in hindsight, when we, we always bring up the quarterbacks getting all these big contracts and – I must remind everyone that Tom Brady was like considering how good he was, was essentially way underpaid when he was he at the New England Patriots. Hometown discounts. Yeah. He just wanted to win Super Bowls and luckily and for did. him that it did pay off in his favor as Paul has like the, <laughs> the worst look on his face shaking his I, head. I the torture. Stand Brady the player. Brady post retirement is one of the best people. <laughs> Brady, while he was on the gridiron, I he is up there with some of the worst people of all time for me. <laughs> I uh, the pain that he has caused me. He is my Patrick Mahomes to the Bills now. I that was that was Patrick Mahomes first to me. So uh yeah, Brady. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Burrow. Burrow is the one before we close this conversation. He's the one that I feel is closer to the Brady Manning conversation. I with can get Mahomes. on board with that. Because Burrow, healthy, I really believe he is a generational talent type of quarterback in the NFL. But it feels at this point that it's a big if these days on whether or not he stays healthy. All right, so 
before we go to break. Uh, early early predictions, guys. Uh, odds via BetMGM. Ravens are the three-point favorite over the Chiefs, and the Niners are the six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Detroit Lions. God dang it, you Chiefs. <laughs> it's, again, you're like, do I pick against the Chiefs or not? All right, I'm just going to throw it out there. I will say if we're just going straight up, I think the Ravens will squeak it out. I do think they're a better team than the Chiefs, but I don't think the Chiefs cover. And Lions, Niners, same thing. I think the Niners win, but the Lions cover. All right, go. Quick win. And we'll have, obviously, more extensive, detailed previews towards the end of the week as we prepare for the NFL weekend. But go ahead, Mr. Paul Brecht. Uh, As much as I would love to say this Chiefs miracle run continues, miracle run being they have their best defense, the Patrick Mahomes era, um, I still think it's the Ravens. I truly feel this is moving towards a collision course of a rematch Super Bowl where you have the Ravens taking on the 49ers. Obviously, that was the Harbaugh Bowl back in the day. Now it wouldn't necessarily be that. As much as I would love to pick the Lions, I do have concern about Goff going you know, on the road. I have concerns about that 49ers defense isn't going to put up two weeks in a row where they are, they're not them. I think it's going to be Niners-Ravens in the Super Bowl. All right. You didn't answer the more important question. Who covers or not? Uh, <laughs> I, I think the Ravens win going away. I think the Lions cover. Got it. All right. Last but not least, you go ahead, Michael Lescaro. That's a tough one. Um, Ravens, they just have so much firepower and weapons. I think they win at home. I think it's the year of Lamar. On the other side, that is a tough one. You know, the 49ers, they definitely struggled against the Packers. Mm-hmm. And the style of play that the Lions play, you know, they want to be physical. They want to stop the run. It's going to come down to if Brock Purdy can make a couple throws and lead them on a, on, a, on a drive. But I guess I will pick the Lions. I can't pick the Niners. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll go As with a Rams fan. I will go with the Lions. <laughs> And are we going both? So Lions straight up, Ravens straight up, and what about the Chiefs three? Ravens to cover the three? Is it three or two and a half? Bet MGM right now is three. I see currently. Three. Push. Ooh. All right. How about Lions Diner? Six and a half. Well, if I'm picking the Lions, then it's the Lions all <laughs> All the way. Oh, yeah. Straight up. Two, plus 240 on the money line if anybody wants to sprinkle. I think also it'll change through the end of the week. Right now they're saying Debo Samuels 50-50 for that NFC title game. So we will see what happens because that'll probably adjust the line significantly and maybe adjust how I feel. Anyways, way past the clock, but we will be right back on Wake Up in the Den. When I met you in the summer. To my heartbeat sound We fell in love Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kukule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den Kukule Agbayani and Denting Paul Brecht (laughs) and Michael Escaro with you on this Aloha Monday All right, talked a lot about the NFL Want to switch over and, you know, kind of end the show even though we still have a lot more to go but finish up or talk the rest of the show about our local sports here we'll start off with some we'll save the worst for last because there's a lot we can say about that anyways so we will start off with the good the absolute 
awesomeness that is the Rainbow Wahine basketball team beating UC San Diego on Saturday, 64-52. It did seem, I mean, UC San Diego stayed pretty close in it, you know, for the most part, but never too scary for the Rainbow Wahine. And as as she always does during the postgame, Laura Beeman, you know, gave a lot of credit to UC San Diego. She said they dropped, what, the last three, I believe she said, to UC, at least, at the very least, the last two. So there was a lot of, um, you know, they really wanted to go out with the win, improving to 6-1 and one in the Big West Conference. And actually, UC Santa Barbara, who was ahead of the Rainbow Wahine before Saturday, they lost to Cal State Fullerton. So now Hawaii is at the top of the conference, but they do play at UCSB this coming Thursday. So it is still a very meaningful game. And should they win, they will be... <laughs> still remaining at the top of the conference. But before we get into the recap of the UC San Diego Hawaii game, want to first play for you what head coach Laura Beeman had to say, along with players Deja Phillips, excuse me, and Lily Wahine Kapu following that game. That's a really good team we played against um, tonight. You know, we lost to them the last two times here. And so there was a little bit of a thought process going into this game that we didn't want it to be a third time. Um, they're well coached. They execute their stuff really well. They got hot there for a while. We knew that you know, they had the opportunity. They knew we knew if they had the opportunity that they could really do some good things offensively. They played our tendencies defensively. Um, when they brought it back, you know, tightened it up. And then we kind of went on a run. They tightened it up. Uh, these the team just did a phenomenal job of not getting their heads, not thinking about the past, but thinking about the next play mentality. And we were able to have a really nice run there at the end of the fourth quarter. They just seemed like they wouldn't go away until you finally put them away. How'd you guys just kind of finally put them away in the last five minutes? They're not going to go away. You know, Heidi Vandegreer is absolutely a fighter. She just does not have that quit button. Um, I think they made some good adjustments at halftime. Uh, then I think these guys made, the team made a really good, you know, adjustment to their adjustments. So um, we knew they weren't going to go away. We just had to kind of put our will upon them and say that, you know, on tonight we're going to be better than you. And I think the girls did that. You guys go two and three against UC San Diego. Just talk about just the game itself. You know, you guys shot 69.6 from, from the free throw line, 39.2% from the field, or 29.6 from the other. Against good teams, you have to play well. Um, you know, I don't like the fact that we're two and three against them, so we still need to do something at their place and they at least 500. Um, and I think these guys feel the same way. So uh, against good teams, you have to step up your game. And I thought we did some things really well. We really turned the ball over eight times tonight. We did a great job on the boards. Um, we shut down some of their top kids. You know, we allowed 30 to get going a little bit, but she's, she did a nice job tonight. You know, match up with Armani, that's a tough one for Armani. Um, you know, we didn't have BK again tonight. Jackie's minutes were good. Um, and so it's just continuing to play shorthanded a little bit. I think these, the team is doing a, a good job adjusting to that. Um, but we've got winners on this team. They don't like to lose on their home court. We definitely don't want to lose when we have a crowd like we had tonight. And we just want people to keep coming and supporting what we're doing. I think we're playing good basketball. We're fun to watch. And as for Lily, obviously, you know, uh, 326 left in the fourth. Uh, you hit a big three, which kind of just sealed the deal. Just talk about your game tonight. You know, 16 points, five rebounds, three assists. Yeah, shots weren't really going in in the beginning, but Coach B just made sure that I was my technique was there and to stay positive and keep shooting. Um, for the players, what was the key to that 10-0 uh, run in the fourth when you know they had cut the three and made it a really close game? Yeah. 
Um, there was that timeout, and we just kind of said we're okay. Um, just get the lead back up. Don't freak out. We're we're fine. And um, go like get back to being aggressive. So I think that's what helped us. Deja had a good timeout. She said we're fine. Let's go. This we've been here before. This is not a big deal. Let's just get back to what we're supposed to do. And Lily kind of chipped in, and everyone was chipping in, but she had a good timeout. Coach, just uh, your thoughts on just. Everything that's been going on, obviously, you guys are nine and seven, nine and seven now, six and one of the Big West Conference. You guys go up against the second, fourth uh, best team. You know, you see Santa Barbara and Cal Poly. Just, just your thoughts on that? It's gonna be a tough road trip. That's one of the most difficult road trips because of the travel that we have. Um, Santa Barbara is a very good team. They're guard oriented, and then we go into Cal Poly slowly. They're an incredibly physical team. It's gonna look a little bit like Long Beach. Um, I, I hope we have a good officiating crew. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, you know, your goal on the road is to go one and one. Uh, I think we can we can get a sweep if we play. I don't know if we're going to be full strength, but when we put our minds to something, this team uh, they decide to execute, play with pace, defensively lock in. I think we can beat anybody. Um, we're not looking at our six and one record. We're looking at Santa Barbara. I love that. Got to give it to Laura Beeman to end it on the well. That wasn't then. That was kind of the middle. So if you guys want to listen to the full. Post game slash watch it. You can get it on our YouTube channel. So just look up Hoy Sports Radio Network on YouTube for the rest of the uh, post game avail with head coach Laura Beeman, Deja Phillips, and Lily Wahine Kapu. All right, before we, we're going to step aside because I know Paul and I, once we start talking about the basketball team, it'll <laughs> keep going. So we do need to take our break. So we will be right back to talk more uh, Rainbow Wahine basketball and also HPU basketball because they had a big win over the University of Hawaii Hilo over the weekend as well. So we'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautiful list of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani, Paul Brecht, and Michael Lascaro on your Aloha Monday. And speaking of the beautiful list of all the beautiful people, got to give a shout out to the VCA University Animal Hospital in Manoa. Funny story. So I got to shout you guys out because apparently you listened to the show because I had a friend of mine that was at the vet on Friday morning and he was telling me the story. He's like, yeah, I was in the the waiting room and I'm like, I hear a voice that sounds very familiar. <laughs> and sure enough, he realized that it was me and it was our show and it was because and he was totally like, yeah, then you, I don't know. You guys were talking something and then you were talking to the baseball coach and then you were talking about surfing. I was like, yep, that was totally my show. So I got to give a shout out to VCA University Animal Hospital in Manoa for listening to us. VCA University Hospital is my vet <laughs> for my first son, Casper. Nice. So that is that it's actually crazy to hear. That's why you heard me freak out a little bit because. <laughs> That is my vet's office as well. We take uh, my nice little six-month-old kitty cat on over there whenever we need. I actually need to stop over there, so I, I may have that to ask them about so that. That is so awesome. So whoever was at the, I don't know, I've never been there, so I don't know what room it was exactly that my friend was talking about where they were had the radio on, but 
Shout out to you guys. Mahal for listening. Also, got to give another shout out to the gentleman that stopped me on the concourse at the women's basketball game. Speaking of women's basketball, uh, to tell me that he enjoyed our interview with Coach Hill on Friday as well. So thank you guys for all listening. Um, I think anytime we hear that people listen, it's obviously amazing. And that is why you guys are the beautifulest of all the beautiful people and mahalo for all of your support so that's really cool that it's you know it happened funny, like it? friday friday saturday i was like oh they do listen now we have a million and eight i, I think say, what are we up to is it eight <laughs> maybe nine now oh and a half I of think, course yeah. and the half and we the can half. never forget the half i still can't remember where the half came from but we kept saying and a half I got to ask Alan to see if he remembers. But nonetheless, uh, again, mahalo to all of you guys for listening. All right. We were talking about the Rainbow Wahine basketball game. 64-52 win over UC San Diego on Saturday. Lily, I got to make this note. So Eric was correct. He was. I I looked it up. And uh, Lily, she scored 427 points at Fullerton in the 2021-2022 season. She had 414 last season, and she has 155 points through 15 games this season, which brings her total to 996 points. So she is four points shy of the career 1,000 Point. So that is something for all the uh, fans to look out for. Uh, we were kind of like, nobody wanted to drink it, but secretly cheering for it on Saturday because, and she says it in the post-game interview as well, that, you know, what probably would have wanted it to happen at home in front of her friends and family. But uh, it will, I mean, if she comes back not breaking that record the next two games that they're on the road, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean. But it, she's going to break it. So. But it's unless we see a Beeman classic where we just get a random sitting of Lily for a weekend. <laughs> Lily's not going to play that. But I doubt uh, against UC Santa Barbara yeah, and, and some play. of the leading uh, teams in the conference. Yeah, so, I doubt. But, but that's something for fans to look out for. Wanted to make sure I made that note for all of you guys that are are keeping track. So uh, Lily Wahine Kapu just four shy away from career one thousand, and her career it's like only halfway through her career. I mean, we just saw what Noel Coleman just recently hit it. But he's been playing here for what, like five years? It feels like I think five well, years. Well, uh, yeah. So I think he's played here for four and five in total in college, and he just hit it like kind of a third of the way through this mm-hmm. season. Lily's a true junior, like true third year in college, and is on the doorstep yeah. of reaching one k, which is bonkers and honestly really exciting for what can still come. For Lily Wahine Kapu mm-hmm. and really the Rainbow Wahine in general because we, we sit here and we talk about how good this program is and how good this team is and we kind of do that without them having a main star, a go-to, a Caitlin Clark who scores 30 a game, a, an Angel Reese, you know, mm-hmm. one of these big national named players. Lily Wahine Kapu, I would argue, is probably your closest thing to that in terms of her scoring ability from all three levels, her ability to make her own shot. Deja Phillips kind of in that same boat, and it's just an incredibly impressive two and a half seasons to begin her collegiate career, and it really would have been cool if she'd be, she would have been able to do it Saturday mm-hmm. so at home, close. especially in front of those fans. I want to give a shout-out to those 1,200 yes! fans in attendance who... I mean, I I had multiple conversations in the media section of like, we couldn't believe the number that was sent to us of of the actual turnstile because it was so loud 
inside Simplify Arena on Saturday night. So shout out to you beautiful people who were in attendance cheering your hearts out because it, it was very much so noticeable. And that big group of kids that I got to hang out with for a little while, they're actually from Kauai. So they Ooh. are a, I forget if it was a, not a choir, but... Uh, it was it was a, a basically like a troupe that came and they performed at the at Windward Mall and so they had the evening free so they came over to support the Rainbow Wahine so shout out to them that they were like they were right above like where Spectrum does their broadcast in that tunnel and they were loud they were having a good time every t- you know like especially in Kauai and you come over and you see yourself on like the jumbotron and it was fun hanging out with them so I I hope they had a great time and got to see uh, the women win but yes a couple of uh road games left and a good stretch uc santa barbara will be a solid test and i just i i keep saying this to paul like in our text thread and knock on wood like barring any injuries brooklyn roars you know she's <laughs> if you guys watch the post game on our youtube you can have uh coach beeman's very funny answer to uh people ask or wondering about the status of brooklyn Rewers, and she says i can say she's still on the team <laughs> as we know she coach beeman tends to be tight-lipped about reasonings that players are sitting but she wasn't a boot uh she does i believe have like a little soreness in her foot but uh, man if they're a hundred percent healthy and no more injuries like i just cannot imagine any other team in this conference beating them like they are by far the best Team. Yeah, they have a blemish in conference, but it was one of those anomalies where, hey, Hawaii shot bad and the other team shot out of their mind. So, but overall, they are by far the best team in this conference. <sighs> Can't say the same, though, about what's going on with the men's side. Uh, it's been kind of a, it, it's, <laughs> our text messages <laughs> have been quite animate i don't know how best Text to put messages it. have been flying back and forth yeah that's the best way i think i can put it um just a lot of confusion yeah hawaii by the way losing at uc san diego 67 61 dropping them to two and five in conference now for uc san diego's uh side they are six and one in conference and one of the familiar names that was on that uh, squad is a new Tate Jones, who used to play for the University of Hawaii Hilo, but he did really well. Actually, he looks good for UC San Diego. But like Paul said, just so much confusion with starting lineups, with rotations, with the style of offense. Like there's no identity on the team offensively like we thought in the beginning of the season they were and we went to practices it looks like they're they were pushing the pace when it comes to offense because we know they're a solid defensive team as they've shown the last couple of seasons but offensively I just don't know what I'm seeing I still continue to struggle with uh, Ryan Rapp that that change in Ryan Rapp starting over Matthew Cotton considering that in the um the non-conference slate that starting lineup where they have Justin, Bernardo, Noel, uh, Jovan, and Matt Cotton seemed to be working just fine. And now we had this weird switch. And then you also saw Juan Munoz get his first start for Jovan McClanahan, uh, putting up 21 points, uh, the most out of all the Rainbow Warriors this past Saturday. So we, we all knew that Juan was definitely capable of doing yeah. these things. But then again, that then you have Juan starting over Jovan, and then you have Ryan getting the start, but 
only playing five minutes total in the game because like on the women's side, we see players like Deja, Kelsey, Imai come off the bench and they do have more minutes than like a starter like Olivia Davies, but it's not so significant. Like this past Saturday, I think Olivia played about 18 minutes and then you have uh, Kelsey and Deja playing about low 20 something minutes, but it still feels balanced and even. But look at the time, you know, Ryan's in for five minutes. Then you have Matthew Cotton for 11. You have Jovan, who came off the bench playing 32 minutes. It's just none of it is making any sense. They had a lineup in the second half that I believe was like Jovan, Juan, Noel, Justin, and Bernardo that offensively looked awesome. Like they, it was a fun offense to watch. It was when they did take the lead over UC San Diego and then I think they then they started making their substitutions as you need to to get everyone to rest. And then I think for maybe a couple minutes or maybe a minute, we saw that same lineup come back together. But it just I don't know. I'm like, that was working. Why don't we go back to that? And it, it's, it's yeah, it's like you said, it's just total confusion on our side that we don't we try to understand. And you guys know Positive Paul and I are the last to ever put blame on players for not playing hard or coaches for not knowing what they're doing but it's just well I can't figure it out when when Paul and I both can't figure out what's going on from the outside or give reasoning then that's when we yeah it becomes concerning there are just a lot of questions right now where and, and it feels bad to to point out like the lineup change where Ryan Rapp enters the starting lineup and, and kind of say that that's where things started to go wrong but it's the truth because you're right, Koo, where throughout non-conference play, it felt like this team was primed to compete for what the preseason poll had them as, which was third in the Big West Conference behind the returning champions and a Long Beach State team who was really, really good, got a lot of transfers this season. And then all of a sudden you see a change. And now in mid-January, the Bows are still trying to figure out their identity, trying to figure out rotations, trying to figure out their starting lineup. And my confusion about this, by the way, also comes because we had that St. Mary's game, right? Mm-hmm. And I want I want you to go back and think about the starting lineup with that St. Mary's game. Matthew Cotton didn't start that day. It was Ryan Rapp and Harry Ruliadef. Okay? That was a bad day for the mm-hmm. Bows. All around, the rotations did not look good. The offense looked clunky. The defense was not up to par overall it was not the right combination of guys and then by the time the season started with the first five of McClanahan, Coleman, McCoy, Cotton and Bernardo da Silva all of a sudden you had stabilization in the starting lineup and you could still bring Ryan Rapp off the bench as a shooter a situational guy a 14 to 16 minute a night guy where he's not expected to create a ton of your offense but He's able to catch and shoot. He's able to slash, which are two mm-hmm. of the things that he does well. And it's it's part of that where it's like, that's just one example of plenty of these decisions where there's a lot of confusion right now. And I don't think it's just confusion with us. I think there's confusion within the team, whether it's the coaching staff or the players of how are we going to figure this out? And that's why it's frustrating for them as they're going through this because they know that they have the talent. They know that they have the coaches in place, the players in place to be successful. They've been successful over the nine years that Iran Ganat has been here and mm-hmm. this coaching staff. There haven't been a ton of changes on the coaching staff, assistant coaches as well. 
And nonetheless, this year, just something is off every time they come out. 17-0 run to end this half, or end the first half, really put them away. And then their effort in the second half to start, they come back, tie it up, maybe even take the lead, and then they can't come up with a big-time win on the road. They don't end up splitting, go 0-2 on this road trip after an embarrassing performance against Long Beach on Thursday. And now you have, I would call it personally, two must-wins this week against the Santa Barbara team that is also underachieving like you yeah. and a Cal Poly team who is the worst in the Big Big West right now. You need to win both of those if you want your season to remain alive. Well said, Paul Brecht. <laughs> You feel better? No. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> it's our therapy sessions. <laughs> I just, I like all of the people on the team. Oh, 100%. And, the, the coaching but, but, staff, and, that, and I know that they know how to figure it out, which is why it's frustrating. That is the part that is frustrating because when you, it, it, underachieving is frustrating. That And that's the thing. Like, there, you got voted to finish third for a reason. I, I mean, like, I personally think they could have finished first, you know, with, Competing with someone like UC Santa Barbara, who, as you mentioned, is underachieving, but we talk high praises of AJ Mitchell over there, but it's just, it gets frustrating. And then, especially when you have a solid core of veteran players, and then you bring in a couple of transfers that added to the talent that you already have, and it's still amounting to losses, and we just see a bunch of things like just... I mean, Saturday was a prime example. It's just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks with the rotations that were all tried out. You had, like, I think Akira, Harry, Moore, uh, a few others, like, in the game at one time that I'm like, oh, it we're really doing this. It was a before-seen lineup. Yeah. It was five guys who had not played, I believe, a single minute together as a full five-person rotation getting an actual stretch in the game, which once again brings back our confusion of like, okay, well just I, I just want to know what the thought process yeah. is with the the vision. Because with on the other foot, the Rainbow Wahine, that's what I always feel with Coach Beeman's teams we have. There's a vision for all the players. Mm -hmm. There's five roles on the court at any time that you can plug and play different players into and players don't need to be put you know oh point guard can only play point guard mm -hmm. there are like three guard spots and they all do this and I don't know it just it's such a weird and upsetting comparison to look at the rainbow wahine and then look at the bows and have them just be in different places because both of them feel very deep very mm -hmm. talented and well coached a lot of times so it's just it's it's frustrating yeah Whew, woosa. all right woosa. <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta take a break and and reel back our frustrations we'll be right back on wake up in the den wake up in the den with kuule agbiani on the hawaii sports radio network 95.1 fm and am 760 Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Kule Ugbayani, Paul Brecht, and Michael Lescaro. Oh, 
talking yep. a lot about basketball. All right, want to get into back on the the positive train. <laughs> <laughs> HPU men's and women's basketball have both with a pair of wins on Saturday over University of Hawaii Hilo. The women coming up on on top 66-52 and the men beating Hilo 69-66 in overtime for their first win in 11 tries. Was that right, Paul? 11 tries? It's their first win in 12 tries. They had oh, lost 11 tries. straight and Woo! had not yet won inside the Shark Tank last home win versus Hilo was while they still played at Moanalua. Oh my goodness, that's a fun fact for you. And actually, head coach Jesse Nakanishi does give you that credit, Paul, for pointing that out to him. So uh, Paul got a chance to catch up with Jesse Nakanishi following that huge win, and here is what he had to say. Here with HPU head coach Jesse Nakanishi following the Sharks 69-66 overtime victory over UH Hilo. You guys hadn't beaten the Vulcans in the last 11 tries. It's your first win inside the Shark Tank. What does it mean to come up with a win today over uh, an interstate rival like that and kind of bounce back, especially with all the emotions of today, Cam's Helmet Day, the 12th annual, and obviously with Nico uh, and his family and all, everything, best to them. What, mm. what did today's win mean? 11 times. 11 consecutive losses to Hilo. And you do your research because I don't pay attention to that. But uh, no, it, you're right, though. It has today had a little extra incentive. Um, I'm so proud of these guys. And we've been able to bounce back after tough losses. You know, we we had a one point loss to Art and bounced back in a big win. And then we had a um, losing my train of thought here. But then we lost to Chaminade, another tough one um, by by two or three, three points, and then bounced back here. So in that area, just from a basketball standpoint, really proud of them to be resilient in that nature. And then this one had extra meaning, just really playing for, for Nicola, going through what he's going through. And we had a meeting last night. He came back home or came back here to get some stuff. He's going to be with his family um, and figure out the plan. But to be able to play inspiringly for him um you know we really did that in the second half at least i thought we came out a little slow but proud of them for that and then um again just to, to today is a, always the most special day for me every year is having cam's helmet today camera's an amazing kid who talk about tragedy he had a, a personal one and um you know but able to um, give helmets out to kids in honor of in, in his legacy if you will and if we can save just one life through Cameron's legacy it's all worth it so we hand out 100 something helmets so however many kids come out here hopefully hopefully we ran out of helmets but it was a good environment and um, really proud of our guys and then obviously another big time matchup coming up this upcoming Tuesday against Azusa Pacific mm-hmm. and you guys have a field trip game that day mm-hmm. about 400 kids going to be bussed in for that one how much are you looking forward to that and as you guys try and string together wins as you enter the second half of the conference schedule yeah we had we've been planning this one since the summer working with these two schools uh, Manoa and Noelana Elementary we've developed a relationship with we go there every month and do a mentorship program with them talk to their kids and do clinics with them and so kind of getting to know them and and them knowing our guys and they've been coming to a couple games but we uh, made it a formal one and moved the game up to 12 o'clock noon on a school day for these kids and busting them in and we'll have four 
400 plus screaming kids in the gym. Uh, still open to the public. We got enough room in the Shark Tank. Come experience this really unique one. Um, play hooky from work or take a lunch break. Uh, 12 o'clock on Tuesday against a really good team. They've had the, the Pac West is crazy. There's just every game, not every, but a lot of the games are coming down to one possession. And uh, Zeus has kind of fell short on some of them, but they're a really good team. They were picked to win it all in the preseason, and um, they have really good players. Ken West is incredible talent. So we, we got a challenge for sure. But, yes, if we, can, we, we can't win one, lose one, win one, lose one, we've got to stack some wins, as you said, and that, that's how you're able to uh, make jumps and try to get you into running for a championship and at least make the playoff. And then you, you said it, all of these games kind of coming down to just one possession or so. What has it been like having Diggy Winbush on your guys' side? Obviously, a late uh, cycle addition to your mm-hmm. team. But, man, has he come up big in clutch moments today? 20 points, five rebounds, six assists. Another incredible performance from him <clears throat> helping you guys come up with a, a win here inside the Shark Tank. Yeah, it's such a luxury for any coach to have a – a point guard that you can trust and is a good ball handler and, and, and good use of angles that can get in the paint and get fouled down the stretch. And, you know, we get a defensive rebound, go get the ball, Diggy, and, um, you know, you can count on knock on one two free throws being made. Uh, it's a real luxury down the stretch having him. So it's been a great experience coaching him personally um, and helping navigate college basketball, you know, making a step from junior college basketball for him to four-year school here and, and the grind and the preparation and the approach that's needed to play at this level. And so he's responded and uh, couldn't be more proud of him. Awesome, Coach. Thank you so much. Right on, brother. That was HPU men's basketball head coach Jesse Nakanishi and our Paul Brecht, of course, following their overtime win over University of Hawaii Hilo, 69-66. Congratulations to Jesse Nakanishi. I mean, what he has done so far with that program is just incredible. And not only the wins, but just the things that they continue to do as a whole when it comes to that program. Like you mentioned, they'll have the kids out there tomorrow, like bust in 400 screaming kids at the Shark Tank. So if you guys can take a lunch break, uh, you know, go out there at the Shark Tank at noon. So it's weird because the games are swapped. Usually the women play first and then the men, but this time the men will play first and then the women will follow so it'll be at 12 and 2 and you can if you can't escape work then you can listen to it right here on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network or hawaiisportsradio.com but not only that there was a 12th annual Cam's Helmet game on Saturday as well where they gave out uh now they're tallied over 1,500 helmets that they've given out entirely to prevent accident related tragedies and I'm just looking forward to all these things that HP men's basketball and women's basketball have to do all right Give you the final words on the HP basketball for now, Paul. Just another pair of programs that you really should go out and support, especially those those men. I mean, Jesse Nakanishi, the the amount of work that he puts in and his staff puts in, uh, go support them. Go hang out with the screaming kids or listen to us. Or listen to us, but got to go. So for Michael Escaro, Paul Brecht, I'm Kule Agbayani. Bye.